Peace be upon you. So Satan's objective in this world is to try to make people believe in falsehood. There are different degrees of falsehood, but the biggest falsehood of all is that of idol worship. In Surah 22 verse 62 it reads, It is a fact that God is the truth, while the setting up of any idols beside him constitutes a falsehood, and that God is the Most High, the Supreme. Usually when individuals think of idol worship, they consider people who prostrate or call upon entities besides God. And while this is a form of idol worship, this doesn't cover the whole spectrum of what constitutes idol worship. According to the verses of the Quran, the most simple form of idol worship is to believe that anything independent of God has the power to harm or benefit us. In Surah 10 verse 106 it reads, You shall not worship beside God what possesses no power to benefit you or harm you. If you do, you will be a transgressor. And here's the reason. It continues in 10.107. It says, If God touches you with a hardship, none can relieve it except He. And when He blesses you, no force can prevent His grace. He bestows it upon whomever He chooses from among His servants. He is the forgiver, most merciful. So these verses show that only God has the power to harm or benefit a person. The second we think some other entity can harm or benefit us and counter what God has willed, then we are setting up an idol next to God. Even the messengers themselves acknowledge that they themselves have no power and that all power is in God's hands. In Surah 10 verse 49 it says, Say, I possess no power to harm myself or benefit myself. Only what God wills takes place. An example of this form of idol worship can be observed in the dialogue between the two people in their garden in Surah 18. It reads in Surah 18 verse 32 through 41, it says, Cite for them the example of two men. We gave one of them two gardens of grapes surrounded by date palms and placed other crops between them. Both gardens produced their crops on time and generously, for we caused a river to run through them. So here's two individuals. One of them is blessed with, a beautiful, uh, with two beautiful gardens. And it continues, Once after harvesting, he boastfully told his friend, I am far more prosperous than you, and I command more respect from the people. When he entered his garden, he wronged his soul by saying, I do not think that this will ever end. Moreover, I think this is it. I do not think that the hour to hereafter will ever come to pass. Even if I am returned to my Lord, I will be clever enough to possess an even better one over there. His friend said to him as he debated with him, Have you disbelieved in the one who created you from dust, then from a tiny drop, then perfected you into a man? As for me, God is my Lord, and I will never set up any other God besides my Lord. When you entered your garden, you should have said, This is what God has given me. Mashallah. No one possesses power except God. Laqueta illa billah. You may see that I possess less money and less children than you. My Lord may grant me better than your garden. He may send a violent storm from the sky that wipes out your garden, leaving it completely barren, or its water may sink deeper out of your reach. So here's the response from the friend. He's pointing out to this person that he's setting up his gardens as a god beside God. And this is the inevitable fate of this individual. It reads in 1842, it says, Indeed, his crops were wiped out, and he ended up sorrowful, lamenting what he had spent on it in vain, as his property lay barren, he finally said, I wish I never set up my property as a god beside my Lord. Here is an individual who thought that his value, his purpose, his integrity came from his garden. 
And because he set this up, thinking that the benefit he was getting was from his garden, it showed that he was setting up another god beside God. This individual believed that what gave him respect, power, prestige was his garden and neglected to realize that all power belongs to God alone. By thinking that his garden was benefiting him, independent of God, he was setting up his property as a god beside God. That just as easily as God provided him with his gardens, he can just as easily take it away. And this is exactly what God did in order to teach this individual a valuable lesson. The second we think something independent of God can harm or benefit us, and we give it power, it's showing that we're setting up an idol beside God. Another way that idol worship can manifest and creep into a person's life is when we accept any other information over the direct information provided by God. The clear example of this is in Surah 6 verse 121. It reads, Do not eat from that upon which the name of God has not been mentioned, for it is an abomination. The devils inspired their allies to argue with you. If you obey them, you will be idol worshippers. God is giving us a clear-cut example here that if God commands us to do X and we go with some other source that tells us to do Y, the second we do that, we're setting up that other source as a God beside God. The only reason that someone would do such a thing is that they think that this other source has the power to harm or benefit them and therefore is more worthy of being followed. Either they think this other information is more trustworthy or that if they go against this other source, then some entity other than God can harm them. An example of the latter can be seen in the following verses when Abraham debated with his people. In Surah 6 verse 79 through 82, we see how the people try to intimidate Abraham to have him follow their sources. It reads, this is what Abraham said. It says, I have devoted myself absolutely to the one who initiated the heavens and the earth. I will never be an idol worshiper. His people argued with him. He said, do you argue with me about God after he has guided me? I have no fear of the idols you set up. Nothing can happen to me unless my Lord wills it. My Lord's knowledge encompasses all things. Would you not take heed? Why should I fear your idols? It is you who should be afraid, since you worship instead of God idols that are utterly powerless to help you. Which side is more deserving of security if you know? Those who believe and do not pollute their belief with idol worship have deserved the perfect security and they are truly guided. So we see this is the tactic of the devil is to intimidate people to follow additional sources beside what is directly commanded by God. And the second we do that, then we would be setting up another idol beside God. But sometimes it's not done through fear and intimidation. But people are swindled into following contradictory information because it sounds appealing to them. And we see this example in Surah 7 verse 20 through 22 in the example of Satan and Adam in paradise. It reads, The devil whispered to them in order to reveal their bodies, which were invisible to them. He said, Your Lord did not forbid you from this tree, except to prevent you from becoming angels and from attaining eternal existence. He swore to them, I am giving you good advice. So here's the devil swindling them with these lies, these tantalizing statements, to get them to do his bidding. And it continues in 722, it says, He thus duped them with lies. As soon as they tasted the tree, their bodies became visible to them. And they tried to cover themselves with the leaves of paradise. Their Lord called upon them, Did I not enjoin you from that tree and warn you that the devil is your most ardent enemy? So we see that people follow contradictory sources for two reasons, out of fear and intimidation, 
or because they genuinely buy in to the lies that are being presented to them. God allowed Satan the ability to entice people with lies. The reason that God allowed Satan such powers is that it is through Satan's lies and deceptions that we can be refined to prove that we stand with God on all fronts because this is the purpose of this life is to have our claims of devotion to God alone tested. In Surah 29, verse 2 and 3, it says, Do the people think that they will be left to say, We believe, without being put to the test? We have tested those before them, for God must distinguish those who are truthful, and He must expose the liars. What's interesting is that Satan objected to serving Adam, but ultimately what he's still doing is serving the human being by testing the human being, by refining the human being. And God gives us this example of how the falsehood can refine the human being. In Surah 13, verse 17, it reads, He sends down water from the sky, causing valleys to overflow. Then the rapids produce abundant foam. Similarly, when we use fire to refine metals for their jewelry or equipment, foam is produced. God thus cites the analogies for the truth and the falsehood. As for the foam, it goes to waste. While that which benefits the people stays close to the ground, God thus cites the analogies. The foam is a representation of the falsehood. When you refine metals, the waste product comes out in the form of foam. When we are refined as human beings, we are tested by Satan through lies and deception to see our true convictions come out. Are we going to follow the path of Satan through either his tantalizing promises or his fear and intimidation, or are we going to be steadfast on the path of God alone and through the process be refined and purify our souls and our hearts? But Satan's objective is not just to lead one or two people astray. Satan wants to lead the entire society astray. In Surah 7, verse 17, we read, Satan's testimony. It says, I will come to them from before them and from behind them and from their right and from their left, and you will find that most of them are unappreciative. The tactic that Satan uses, again, is manipulation and deception, just like we saw in the example of Adam and Eve in paradise. In addition, he can mobilize individuals who have bought into his lies for his agenda as his pawns. In Surah 17, verse 64, it reads, You may entice them with your voice and mobilize all your forces and all your men against them and share in their money and children and promise them. Anything the devil promises is no more than an illusion. As for my servants, you have no power over them. Your Lord suffices as an advocate. So God is giving Satan the constituency of people who buy into his narrative. Once someone accepts the lies from Satan, they become his minion, his pawn, to do his bidding. In Surah 7, verse 179, it reads, We have committed to hell multitudes of jinns and humans. They have minds with which they do not understand, eyes with which they do not see, and ears with which they do not hear. They are like animals. No, they are far worse. They are totally unaware. These individuals, who are Satan's constituents, are having their minds taken over by Satan, they have become his hypnotized constituents to do his bidding. In the following verses, Satan explicitly states how he's going to go about to carry out his strategy. It reads in Surah 4 verse 119, it says, I will mislead them, I will entice them, I will command them to forbid the eating of certain meats by marking the ears of the livestock. I will command them to distort the creation of God. Anyone who accepts the devil as his Lord instead of God has incurred a profound loss.
Now this expression translated as I will command them to distort the creation of God can be understood in any number of ways and it's oftentimes abused to condemn all kinds of things. But for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to resort to a very generic interpretation that hopefully no one can object to. One of the names of God is the truth. Everything that God creates, therefore, is founded on truth. This is because the falsehood has no foundation and is incapable of standing on its own. Therefore, any distortion in God's creation would constitute falsehood. So when Satan is claiming that he will distort the creation of God, I'm extrapolating this to mean that any truth that God has set forth, that Satan is going to distort that with lies. In Surah 34 verse 49 it says, Say, the truth has come, while the falsehood can neither initiate anything nor repeat it. This shows that falsehood cannot create anything of substance. In Surah 29 verse 44 it says, God created the heavens and the earth truthfully. This provides a sufficient proof for the believers. If this universe was founded on one iota of falsehood, the entire universe would crumble. And we see this in Surah 35 verse 41. It says, God is the one who holds the heavens and the earth, lest they vanish. If anyone else is to hold them, they will most certainly vanish. He is clement, forgiving. So truth is that which has roots. It has a foundation. You can go in as deep as you want and you'll still find elements of truth. Falsehood, on the other hand, has no foundation. It has no substance. You go in one layer in, two layers in, and there's nothing there because it's built on a tower of lies. In Surah 14, verse 24 through 27, we see this comparison between truth and falsehood. It reads, Do not see that God cited the example of a good word, that of truth, as a good tree whose root is firmly fixed and its branches are high in the sky. It produces its crop every season as designed by its Lord. God thus cites the examples for people that they may take heed. The example of a bad word is that of a bad tree chopped at the soil level. It has no roots to keep it standing. God strengthens those who believe with a proven word in this life and in the hereafter, and God sends the transgressors astray. Everything is in accordance with God's will. Again, truth has infinite resolution, meaning the deeper you go in, the more substance you find there. But falsehood, on the other hand, has no depth. It's like a tree that is cut from the soil. It has no fruit. There's nothing of substance there. It's very one-dimensional. So what is Satan's strategy for this world? Satan wants to lead every human being astray. And he does this by inflicting society with falsehood. That society dies when trust in society is lost. And trust is lost through the spread and promotion of falsehood. Today, Satan has infiltrated virtually every institution from politics, media, corporations, big tech, big pharma, Hollywood, science, academia. Every major institution has been inundated with Satan's influence propagating lies. There's a quote from Christopher Rufo reads, Democracy dies when the media lies. And today, you go turn on the mainstream media and you're inundated with nothing but lies. They propagate that gender is a social construct, that sex is a social construct, that the term female needs to be replaced with the terms birthing people, that men menstruate, that men give birth, that men who identify as women and are still sexually attracted to women with all the male anatomy should be allowed to use women's bathrooms, attend women's shelters, to go into women's locker rooms and prisons. 
that teachers should be able to indoctrinate children with LGBTQ propaganda, that school administrators and not parents know what is best for the well-being of children, that children should be able to decide for themselves to mutilate their genitals or take puberty blockers without the parents' consent that any difference in outcome is because of racism, that math is racist, that science is racist, that babies are racist, all cops are racist, George Floyd was a saint. If you don't support BLM, you're racist. The BLM spending millions to buy homes isn't corruption, that Kyle Rittenhouse was the aggressor, that everyone and everything is racist, that the color of your skin alone determines whether someone is oppressor or oppressed, that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, that the Biden election was the most honest election in history, that Joe Biden is not compromised with his shady business dealings, that Joe Biden is cognitively fit to be president. That if you didn't lock down during COVID, you were responsible for killing grandma. That is unless you're out on the streets protesting against racism. That kids weren't negatively impacted developmentally or mentally by the lockdowns or mask wearing. That mask requirements were for the public good and not because of social control. That COVID did not come out of a lab in Wuhan. That killing babies is woman empowerment and free speech is for tyrants. We're living in 1984, where war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. There's a quote from Mark Twain. It reads, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you read the newspaper, you're misinformed. In the past, the objective of news was to report the facts. Today, the objective of the news is to try to manipulate you to believe in blatant falsehood. These institutions have been brainwashed by the devil and are doing the devil's bidding, thinking that they are doing righteous work. As early as 2019, if you told people that, yes, they're trying to change the definition of man and woman, you'd get laughed off the stage. Today, it's commonly accepted. When the latest Supreme Court justice was asked during her hearing, can you provide a definition for the word woman? She claimed that she was incapable to because she was not a biologist. Something as obvious as the distinction between a man and a woman is being corrupted. And this is what Satan wants. He wants to go to the foundation of our beliefs of truth and falsehood. That if he can dismantle the concept of what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man, then he can deconstruct any other belief a person has. This is the fascination of the agents of the devil to want to disprove that 2 plus 2 is equal to 4. Their latest claim is that 2 plus 2 can equal 4 as they try to chisel away what is truth so they can fill it with falsehood. We have Disney executives openly promoting that they're infiltrating Disney shows and movies with LBGTQ propaganda in order to indoctrinate children. We have overwhelming evidence that academia, that the top academic journals, that the top scientists at the WHO and NIH were all in cahoots to subvert the fact that most likely the COVID virus originated from a lab in Wuhan. You know, the problem with following the science is that quite often the science follows the money. And oftentimes it's not actually about the money, but it's about power and influence and how you can control the masses. The intent that Satan has is that he wants to shift what's known as the Overton window. The Overton window is the range of policies or ideas that are politically acceptable to the mainstream population at any given time. That these ideas that were so radical just a few years ago now are becoming commonplace as if it's perfectly acceptable for children to go and mutilate their genitals in order to try to perceive as the other sex. Who would have thought 
that a controversial statement would be that there's a distinction between men and women, that a woman is someone who's born as a female at birth. When the head of medical associations are trying to remove the concept of sex from a birth certificate, it shows just how far the deep end we've become. But Satan would not have been able to infiltrate the mainstream narrative as effectively as he has had he not first completely dismantled and corrupted religious institutions. In Surah 23 verse 71 it reads, Indeed, if the truth conformed to their wishes, there would be chaos in the heavens and earth. Everything in them would be corrupted. We have given them their proof, but they are disregarding their proof. That it's because these religious institutions, these foundations, these beacons of righteousness have been corrupted that this propagation of falsehood through all levels of society has been allowed to take root. We see the atrocities that have carried through the Catholic Church. We see the heinous acts, the human right violations that have happened by both the Jews and the Muslims. If people were looking for the truth, they would not find it in any of the mainstream religions. The Quran warns the believers of professional religionists who are no more than charlatans, looking for power, money, prestige. In 934 it reads, O you who believe, many religious leaders and preachers take the people's money illicitly and repel from the path of God. Those who hoard the gold and silver and do not spend them in the cause of God promise them a painful retribution. The Quran cites the example of the previous followers of the scripture and how they distorted God's words, thus distorting the creation of God. They claim that Ishmael was an illegitimate child of Abraham, that Hagar was his slave. They scrub the mention of Abraham in Mecca in establishing that of the Kaaba and the rites of Safa and Marwah, as well as many connections that tie back to Islam as we know today. In Surah 2 verse 75 it reads, do you expect them to believe as you do when some of them used to hear the word of God then distort it with full understanding thereof and deliberately? In Surah 2 verse 79 it reads, Therefore woe to those who distort the scripture with their own hands, then say this is what God has revealed, seeking a cheap material gain. Woe to them for such distortion, woe to them for their illicit gains. In 371 it reads, O followers of scripture, why do you confound the truth with falsehood and conceal the truth knowingly? In 399 it reads, Say, O followers of the scripture, why do you repel from the path of God those who wish to believe and seek to distort it? Even though you are witnesses, God is never unaware of anything they do. That these individuals twist the word of God, that they conceal the word of God for their own personal gains, that in order to diminish any credibility that the Quran has to these religious rites, that they're willing to forego that for themselves, for their own souls, in a gross attempt to avoid giving any credence to the message in the Quran. But even the Muslim scholars and the ulama are not immune to the lure of the falsehood of the devil. This is most apparent in their mass adoption of hadith and sunnah falsely attributed to the Prophet that is never authorized by God in the Quran. In Surah 77 verse 50 it says, Which hadith other than this do they uphold? If we uphold any other hadith beside that of the Quran, then we are breaking this crucial commandment. In Surah 45 verse 6 it reads, These are God's revelations that we recite to you truthfully. In which hadith other than God and his revelations do they believe? God warns us of the strategy of the devil to inspire into each other fancy words, that of this false hadith narrative that has been collected hundreds of years after the Prophet's death in order to deceive 
and to get people to follow some other source beside that of the Quran. In Surah 6 verse 112 through 113 it reads, We have permitted the enemies of every prophet, human and jinn devils, to inspire in each other fancy words in order to deceive. Had your Lord willed they would not have done it. You shall disregard them and their fabrications. This is to let the minds of those who do not believe in the hereafter listen to such fabrications and accept them, and thus expose their real convictions. These verses are describing hadith, these false narrations attributed to the Prophet that attempt to justify all kinds of information that blatantly contradicts the Quran, that verses have been abrogated, that the Prophet was illiterate, and depict the Prophet and the believers as warmongers and perverts. It continues in 6.1.14 through 1.16, it says, Shall I seek other than God as a source of law when He's revealed to you this book, this Quran, fully detailed? Those who receive the scripture recognize that it has been revealed from your Lord truthfully. You shall not harbor any doubt. The word of your Lord is complete in truth and justice. Nothing shall abrogate his words. He is the hear, the omniscient. In no uncertain terms, God is letting us know that the only source of religious law that we are to uphold is the only the Quran. That the word of God in the Quran is complete, it's fully detailed, that God provided us examples for everything we need for our salvation. But the second we go to some other source beside that of the Quran alone, then it shows that we are setting up another God beside God. It continues in 6.1.16, it says, If you obey the majority of people on earth, they will divert you from the path of God. They follow only conjecture. They only guess. If we go and follow the, the, the path of the ulama, the majority, the ijma, over what God is specifically telling us in the Quran, then we're setting up another source beside God. And before someone points out to the verses that state, obey God and his messenger, realize that this strictly means to follow the Quran alone. And it does not mean follow the lies attributed to the prophet. When God says, obey God and his messenger, we know for a fact that this Quran came out of the messenger's mouth, that his sole duty in this life was to deliver this message and to recite these verses to us. In Surah 27, verse 91 and 92, it reads, Only I was commanded to worship the Lord of this town. He has made it a safe sanctuary, and he possesses all things. I am commanded to be a submitter and to recite the Quran. Whoever is guided is guided for his own good. And if they go astray, then say, I am simply a warner. The sole duty of the messenger was to deliver this Quran. It was not to give additional hadith and sunnah that are attributed to him, that were collected hundreds of years after his death. And proof of this is the testimony that the messenger is going to give on the day of resurrection, which is stated in Surah 25, verse 30. It reads, the messenger said, my Lord, my people have deserted this Quran. Notice it doesn't say they deserted the hadith, the sunnah, or anything else. The sole duty of the messenger was to deliver this Quran. The second we go to some other source for religious laws, it shows that we are setting up another source beside that of God, and therefore no longer obeying God and his messenger. God repeatedly in the Quran tells the believers that we are to read the Quran and ponder on its words and not be like parrots who recite of sounds and calls without understanding. In Surah 2, verse 170 through 171, it reads, When they are told, Follow what God has revealed herein, they say, We follow only what we found our parents doing. What if their parents did not understand and were not guided? The example of such disbelievers is that of parrots who repeat what they hear of sounds and calls without understanding. Deaf, dumb, and blind, they cannot understand.
Consider how many people memorize the Arabic Quran. They can recite it beautifully, but when it comes to the actual understanding of what's being stated, they're completely clueless. God gives us the following example in Surah 62 verse 5. It says, The example of those who are given the Torah, then fail to uphold it, is like the donkey carrying great works of literature. Miserable indeed is the example of people who rejected God's revelations. God does not guide the wicked people. Mean that if you memorize the entire Quran, that if you have the most beautiful recitation, but you fail to understand one verse of it, it's utterly useless. No different than the donkey carrying great works of literature. The first revelation given to the prophet was to read. The second revelation was to write. And the third revelation was to read the Quran with deliberation. In Surah 73 verse 4 it reads, And read the Quran from cover to cover. In Surah 73 verse 20 it says, Read what you can of the Quran. He knows that some of you may be ill, others may be traveling in pursuit of God's provisions, and others may be striving in the cause of God. You shall read what you can of it, and observe the contact per salat, and give the obligatory charity zakat, and lend God a loan of righteousness. The purpose for repeatedly reading the Quran and understanding its words and pondering on its message is so we can constantly recalibrate to the truth and rid ourselves of satanic ideas. God in the Quran provides the example of honey as a healing agent. This is because honey has antibacterial properties and is the only food that never spoils. And because of this, it is used as a way to fight infections from a wound. It reads in Surah 16 verse 69, it says, Then eat from all the fruits, following the design of your Lord precisely. From their bellies comes a drink of different colors, wherein there is healing for the people. This should be sufficient proof for people who reflect. Similarly, reading the Quran and recalibrating our understanding when we ponder and contemplate on its verses serves the same purpose to fight off satanic whispers that attempt to infect our souls as we engage in society. So just as honey protects against infections to help heal a wound, the Quran protects against infections to help heal the soul. In Surah 10, verse 57, it reads, O people, enlightenment has come to you herein from your Lord, and healing for anything that troubles your hearts, and guidance and mercy for the believers. In Surah 10, verse 108, it reads, Proclaim, O people, the truth has come to you herein from your Lord. Whoever is guided is guided for his own good, and whoever goes astray goes astray to his own detriment. I am not a guardian over you. In Surah 47, verse 3, it says, This is because those who disbelieve are following falsehood, while those who believe are following the truth from their Lord. God thus cites for the people their examples. In order to be protected from the schemes of the devil, we must constantly seek refuge in God from Satan's whispers. In Surah 16, verse 98 and 99, it reads, When you read the Quran, you shall seek refuge in God from Satan the rejected. He has no power over those who believe and trust in their Lord. His power is limited to those who choose him as their master, those who choose him as their God. And God gives us specific words by which we can seek refuge in God. In Surah 23, verse 97 and 98, it reads, Say, My Lord, I seek refuge in you from the whispers of the devils, and I seek refuge in you, my Lord, lest they come near me. As believers, we must be steadfast and always side with God on every front. God guarantees us victory if we are able to uphold this. In Surah 47, verse 35, it says, Therefore you shall not waver and surrender in pursuit of peace, for you are guaranteed victory 
and God is with you, he will never waste your efforts. We know that the devil's scheme will utterly fail, that he's destined to be in the lowest pit of hell. And we see his testimony on the day of judgment regarding his promises and his lies that he deceived the masses with. It reads in Surah 14 verse 22, it says, And the devil will say after the judgment has been issued, God has promised you a truthful promise. And I promised you, but I broke my promise. I had no power over you. I simply invited you and you accepted my invitation. Therefore, do not blame me and blame only yourselves. My complaining cannot help you, nor can your complaining help me. I have disbelieved in your idolizing me. The transgressors have incurred a painful retribution. While the devil has done his utmost to try to get prominence in the religious communities, in the mass media, with the politicians, with the corporations, with all the different fronts that he uses to infiltrate his message, we have to know that if we stand with God, we are in the majority. God tells us that at the end of the day, this falsehood will not sustain, that it will all vanish. And he gives us his confirmation in Surah 17, verse 81, says, Proclaim, the truth has prevailed, and falsehood has vanished. Falsehood will inevitably vanish. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions or want to engage, please join us on our Discord server. You can find the invite link below. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store. If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to the QuranStudyApp.com website or ChronicLabs.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.